All right, good morning. I'm going to reposition this. Last service, my heel kept getting stuck in one of the cracks, so it's really awkward sometimes. Good morning. Welcome to see everyone here today. That first video that you saw with all of those energetic, smiling faces um, was a recap of VBS, which happened this past week, and um, it was wonderful. It was just an amazing time. I love VPS huge proponent of it, and um, I just want to give a huge shout out um, to everyone. I want to emphasize, though, our fearless leaders, um, Julie Davis, Liz Tate, and Tara Dinsmore, who kind of led the charge and uh, did the work. Yeah, they did the work months in advance to get us ready for the week, and then they were running around all week, and then we're back here yesterday, some of them, to um, get everything back in order for today's service. And then, so a shout-out to them, and then also a shout-out to everyone who was involved. There was no job that was a small job. Everything was needed. Everything was appreciated. Thank you so much for ministering to the families of our church and our community. And I do say families, even though um, parents drop their kiddos off. You know those kids were taking the truth and the word of God back to their homes. And what I love about kids is they just, they'll just say it. They'll be like, mommy, you need Jesus. You know, like, come on. And so, and I love that. They're uninhibited and I love it. So you know the word of God was going back to the home. So it really was a family affair. So thank you everyone who participated. And we're looking forward to it again, of course, next year. Well, um, I am going to be um, taking a sabbatical here uh, in just a little bit, mid-July, and I am super excited about it. I'm 16 years into ministry, and this is my first sabbatical. It's going to be three weeks. It's going to be wonderful, and um, I have a sister coming down, one of my five sisters coming down uh, from upstate New York to join me for um, a couple of weeks, and she's going to watch AJ a little bit so that mommy can take a nap. <laughs> and, um, and it's going to be wonderful. And so thinking about sabbatical and vacation reminded me of this country preacher. You guys knew this was coming, don't act surprised. <laughs> country preacher, who he was going on sabbatical for the summer. He's going to take three long months off. And so he, um, he identified one of the leaders in his church, and he said, hey, will you cover the pulpit for me while I'm, while I'm gone? need you to preach three months. Uh, it's going to be twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, so three times a week, three months. So the leader at first, he was a little apprehensive, and he's like, well, I mean, if the pastor believes in me, I thought, you know, I'll give it a try. I'm going to do it. So the first week, he was a little apprehensive, a little hesitant, but, you know, he started feeling it. Second week, you know, he started getting some amens, good word preacher, and he's like, oh, kind of a good word. That was a good point right there. And so, you know, he started feeling good about himself third week, fourth week. Well, now he was just out of control. I mean, like he was like, did you feel it? Did you feel the spirit? That was a good point. Church, say amen. And his wife was like, okay, I got to do something about this. So about a month left uh, to go, she says, uh, honey, could you come here? I need to show you something. So she takes him out to their barn and she pulls out a basket. And uh, in the basket, there are three eggs and a whole bunch of dollar bills. And so um, she says, well, honey, when you first started preaching, um, I would pray to the Lord and talk to him. And um, every time you had just a really powerful, anointed word where I just really felt like, I mean, it ministered to the people, I would just tell God, thank you. I would praise him, and I would say, thank you for using my husband that way. And then every time that, you know, your sermon could use a little bit of work, wasn't quite there yet, I would come out here and I would put an egg in the basket, just remind myself to keep praying for you. And then I, and before she could finish, she was like, wait a minute, 
there are only three eggs in that basket. I mean, I've been preaching three times a week, so many weeks. That's a lot of preaching, and I only have three eggs? That is amazing. Yes, I knew it. Yes, I am the man. I knew I was doing a good job. Um... So, but wait a minute. So that explains the three eggs. What about all these dollar bills? And so she goes, oh, yes. Well, every time I collected 12 eggs, I would take them to the market and sell them. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like your family to keep it real. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. I'm hoping that I do not get any eggs today. We'll see. God is good. I always love um, an opportunity to share with you, and today is no different. Um, don't have as much pep in my step. I uh, participated in VBS, did Kid Vid Cinema, and kind of just left it all out there on the floor and then realized, oh, I have to preach on Sunday. Should have reserved a little bit of that energy. But um, God is good, and uh, we're going to trust him to speak through me. That's what's important anyway, right? Amen. So, um, you know, just watching the news, and I think everyone in this room can attest to this and would agree with it, that Um, Our world is a mess. Um, Every time you turn on the news, you read a a news feed, um, there's just a lot of hate going on right now and a lot of acts of hate and acts of evil and just don't even try to disguise it anymore. It's just hate. And um, I was thinking about that hate and love and, you know, we're called to love and we, we serve a God who is love and just the difference between love and hate. And it's holding them up against one another. And, you know, hate, I came to this conclusion, hate really only has two options, really only gives you two options. Um, Hate gives you the option to ignore or to destroy. Hate says, um, I'm either going to ignore you completely, I'm going to separate myself from you, I don't want anything to do with you, or I'm just going to destroy you. We cannot coexist, so you must go. Those are the the two options that hate, in my opinion, in my observation, those are the two options that it gives. Love, on the other hand. Love opens the door to so many different things, to so much. Endless opportunities, endless options. Love is a powerful, compelling, life-changing thing. And when we want to combat the evil and the hate in this world, that's how we do it. With love. With love. John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he did something. His love compelled him to do something. He gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Love compels us to do. Love is active, it is forceful, it's compelling. And the great thing about it is that we are able to love because we have first been loved. We've been loved by God. And scripture tells us in Romans 5 that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the love of God, that that love that is sacrificial, that's powerful, that's compelling, that love has been poured out in our hearts. So we now have the ability to love. And oh, what a wonderful thing that is. So what does love look like when it is expressed? What does it look like when um, we're living it actively and daily? 
when we want to know what love looks like, we have to look at God. Scripture tells us in 1 John that the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So when we want to know what love looks like, we, we have to look at God. We have to listen to what he says. We have to look at what he does. That's love. And so I want us to look at some of the things that love does today. Uh, on the back of your notes, I um, included a list, and it is not by any means exhaustive. I mean, there could be pages and pages and pages of what Scripture tells us that love does. I've just listed a few, and we're actually only going to look at three of those things that I've listed today. But I just want to draw your attention to it. Uh, on the back of your notes, it says, love heals. Um, as it tells us in Psalm 147, love serves, Matthew 20, 28. Love shows compassion in Luke. Love covers a multitude of sin, says 1 Peter. Love restores, 2 Corinthians. Love pursues, Romans 5, 8. Love forgives. And again, certainly by no means exhausted. Love do, exhaustive. Love does so much more. And we're going to look today at love pursues, love serves, and love forgives. Those are the three we'll look at today. Love pursues. Romans 5, 8 tells us that God shows his love toward us. He demonstrates his love in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we weren't even looking for him. He came after us. Before we even recognized that we needed saving, he sent salvation. Before we even recognized that we were sick, he sent the remedy. He pursued us. He initiated. He initiated the relationship. That's what love does. Love pursues. Love seeks out. He didn't wait for us to recognize that we had a need. <laughs> he initiated he pursued. He sought us out. Um, when I was in Bible college, I took a class called um, World Religions. And I remember the, the professor said something to me, and I've never forgotten it. Well, he said it to the class, um, and I've never forgotten it. He, he said, you know, in a lot of religions, um, their God, um, they, the follower has to find their way to, to their God. Like, they have to do a certain amount of things to appease their God and to get in good favor with their God. And they have to do, do, do to get close to their God. And he said, our God realized that there was a gulf between us that was too great. That we were in need of something that we, we weren't going to be able to get on our own. So he said, listen, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Love pursues. Love seeks out. Love goes after. And I, I want to encourage you to ask yourself on a very regular basis a couple of questions. Who has God put in my path? Who has he given me influence with? And when you have the answer to those questions, go after them. Go after them. Don't wait for them to realize they need what you have. Don't wait for them to come find you. Go after them because that's what love does. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be a part of a ministry called Lavish. 
And truly, God brought that opportunity and just dropped it right in my lap. (laughs) These ladies, um, they listen to me. God has given me influence. They call me. They text me for advice. God's put them in my path. If I tried to step over them, I couldn't. They're in my path. He's put them in my path. He's given me influence. I'm going after them. I'm going after them. And I'm telling you, it takes persistence. It takes patience. All of the things that were afforded to me and to many of you, those same things now we are asked to give. We're asked to go after people the way that God pursued us. And we can do it because his love, that compelling love, that powerful love, that life-changing love is poured out all in us. It's shut abroad in our hearts. We have the ability to do that. And I want to say, maybe your approach up to this point has been, well, um, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to talk to that person who's two cubicles down from me. I'm going to wait. The, ne- the very next time they pass my desk, I'm going to say something. What if we change our approach to, I'm going to find a reason to pass their desk. I'm going to get up four times for water, even if I'm not thirsty. <laughs> I'm going to get a cup of coffee even though I don't even drink it. When I come from the restroom or when I come back from my lunch break, I'm going to find a way to pass their desk. I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. What if that became our approach? I, um, I've been suffering for the Lord by going to Shipley Donuts. <laughs> um, I discovered something. My son likes donuts. And so um, a couple of times a week when... Um, Katie always over, he would ask for a donut. And so we, I mean, Shipley's is right here. So we would go through the drive-thru. And I realized that if we came between uh, 3.30 and 4, there was always the same young lady there uh, to serve us. And she was really sweet, really friendly. Um, just, you know, do you need extra napkins? Do you need this? And I thought, you know, I'm going to strike up a conversation with her. So I was very intentional that every time we went to get donuts, it was always between 3.30 and 4 so that I can increase my chances of seeing this young lady. And so we would just strike up a conversation. I would say a word of encouragement, bless her, um, you know, what's going on in your life. She would actually already have our donuts waiting. <laughs> she knew our order. And, um, and so, it, but the point is, not the donuts, the point is that I was intentional. And we can be that way. We can be very intentional. If you go to the grocery store and you notice that Every Tuesday when you go, there's, a, t- there's a, a person at the checkout. Be intentional about going through their line every time. Strike up a conversation with them. Say, you know what? I love the Lord and I believe in prayer. Is there anything I can be praying with you about? Just anything. But we, we have to approach people in this way. I'm going to go after you. I was pursued, and now I'm in pursuit. Amen? Because that's what love does. Love seeks out. Love goes after. So I encourage you to ask yourself on a regular basis, as I do, God, who have you put in my path? Who have you given me influence with? Because the truth is, there are people in your path that I will never interact with. There are people that God has given you influence with that he has not given me influence with. If I tried to give them advice or counsel, they probably wouldn't take it because I don't have that relationship with them. You do. And so ask God, who, who, who have you given me influence with? Who's already in my path? And then go after 
that person because that's, that's what love does. Love pursues, love seeks out. Second point in your notes, love serves. Love serves. Matthew 20, 28 says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Love serves. Love walks every day with its hand out, not just to take. And there's nothing wrong with taking. Honestly, if we're all serving at some point, we are going to be the recipient. (laughs) So there's nothing wrong with taking. But with a handout, we have to understand that love serves, love gives. And scripture tells us in Ephesians that we have been created for something. We are his masterpiece, and he has created us to do good works. So there's something for every single one of us to do. There's something, there's a work that God has put in every single one of our hands to do. And he has fully equipped us to do it. How? Thank you for asking. He has given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us skill. He's given us passion. And we are to use that to serve. The gifts that we have have been given for a reason. They are to equip us to do the work. And so if you get excited and jump up in the air. So let's go back to VBS. Um, As I said, I was the station manager for Kid Vid Cinema. And on the very last day of VBS, I absolutely loved the Bible point. It said, you were made for a reason. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that was our tagline all week. You, you would say it and then, wow, God. So the, the very last one was, um, you were made for a reason. And I absolutely loved having that discussion with those young people, um, reminding them and myself that God has made me, equipped me, designed me, and purposed me for a reason. He, he has something that he, a gift, a talent, a passion that he is trusting me with. He gave it to me, and he's trusting me to uh, develop it, to steward it, and to use it, to serve, to serve. And so um, one of the questions that I asked the young people was, what do you feel like you're good at? What do you feel like God has actually um, given you a passion to do? It's not hard for you to do. Like, you get excited about doing it. And one little boy said, math. And I'm like, that is a gift because nobody likes math. (laughs) Who likes math? (laughs) But he was excited about it. And I said, you know, start having conversations with God now about how you can use that gift to serve. And it really is as simple as that. What is it that God has trusted you with as a gift? Speaking, singing, um, uh, being creative, creating things, um, serving, whatever that is, discover what it is, work to develop it, use it to serve other people. Because that's what love does. Love serves. Love lives with its hand out to serve. And so as we're serving, there are two things, very important things that we need to remember. Um, Number one, we need to make sure that we are spending uh, time in the presence of the Lord so that we are full, so that we have something to give, so that we're being filled up in his presence, and then we are ministering from what is flowing out of that. And I have to tell you, the times in my life where I've grumbled and complained about an assignment, I wasn't really too excited about it. Um, really have been the times where I've just been dry in my own life. And when God tells me to do something and I'm not too excited about it or I feel like I'm too busy or too distracted, it's because I haven't been spending enough time in his presence. I haven't been getting filled up, so I have nothing to give. 
and I'm trying to give it out of my own strength. And we get tired. We can probably live on our own strength for a little bit, but after a while, we just get tired. We have to rely on him filling us up, and then we rely on what is spilling out to serve other people. Scripture tells us that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So guess what? We get in his presence. We get filled up with love and joy. We get strong. And then we go out and we serve. And then we get in his presence. We get filled up with love and joy. We go out and we serve. And it has to, we have to keep that on repeat. We have to keep that on repeat. We have to make sure that we are being filled up so that we have something to give when we serve. And then number two, we have to remember that we serve for his glory and not our own. We serve to advance his kingdom and not our agenda. We serve so that his fame is spread, not ours. Not ours. I have to tell you, there was a dilemma trying to think of what to wear this morning. And I was getting all worked up about it. And God says, who cares? They came to hear about me. <laughs> God is real that way. I love that. He speaks to me that way. Just put something on and go preach. <laughs> it's about him. The scripture says he must increase. I must decrease. It's about spreading his fame and doing it for his glory. Jesus talked a lot about that when he was here on earth. He said, I speak what my father tells me to speak. I do what my father tells me to do. He was constantly pointing people to the father. And that's what we do. We are the vessel. He's the prize. Amen? John 7 tells us, um, it's Jesus speaking, and he talks about those who speak with their own authority and who seek their own glory. And he says, don't be like that. You speak with the authority that God has given you. When you're speaking, you know that the reason that you're speaking and that the reason that something is happening is because you're speaking with the authority that he's given you, not your own. And you're seeking his glory. When you see fruit, it's because he did it. You may have planted, you may have watered, you may actually have the joy of experiencing the increase. You may actually get to see that thing happen. But remember, he's the one ultimately that made it happen. So we have to remember that the glory goes to him. So love serves, love lives with its hands out, and we remember that we serve out of the outflow of our relationship with him, and we serve for his glory and not our own. Amen. Will you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 21 to 35. It's a long passage, but um, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's worth reading. Um, and it goes with our third point, which is love forgives. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And in many um, <clears throat> Bibles... Um, the title is The Parable of the Unforgiving Servant. So it reads this way. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he goes on to, to tell this story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children 
and all that they had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger until, um, I'm sorry, and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Save the best for last. <laughs> Forgiveness. Love forgives. <clears throat> and I have to tell you, I have had some pretty lengthy conversations with the Lord about forgiveness. Um, about at times how unreasonable it seems. It's like I'm just, I'm human. I'm a person. How can you ask me to do that? It's, it's unnatural. Let's just all agree and get that out of the way. It is unnatural. It is not natural for a person to be offended or wronged and to just say, I forgive you. That is a supernatural thing. It requires a supernatural work that is done by the Spirit of God. I cannot conjure or will up enough will to forgive somebody on my own. It's just not, it's not natural. It's not a part of our natural makeup. And um, so it requires us working and cooperating with the Holy Spirit who wants to do something in us, who wants that love that's been poured out that's compelling and that's life-changing. We have to choose to walk in that when faced with a decision to forgive or not. Our debt has been paid. So the, I'm a bottom line person. So the bottom line is that I've done big, little, and everything in between. And God has forgiven me of it. Um, I tried to think of a human earthly analogy and you know, earthly analogies at some point will break down when you're trying to describe spiritual things. But I thought of it this way. You know, we're driving a car and we wreck it. I mean, we, we did it. It's our fault. We wreck the car. We take it to the mechanic, leave it there for a couple of days, come back to pick it up. And we're reaching for our wallet and the mechanic says, oh, no, that you don't owe anything. And you're like, well, what, did you not fix my car? And say, oh, no, it's fixed. It's brand new. The keys are waiting. You can take it. Don't I owe anything? Oh, no, actually, someone paid the debt for you. You just take the car. Oh, I don't owe anything. You owe nothing. The debt is paid. There, there literally is no debt. Just take the car. That, in a very, 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 very simple analogy, is what God did for us. The debt is gone. There is no debt. He paid it. Now, how can we as recipients of that type of forgiveness then turn around and say, I won't forgive you. 
I don't share a whole, whole lot about my personal life from the pulpit. I typically do that if I'm counseling someone one-on-one or in a small group. But God took me on a journey of forgiveness with my father that I felt was worth sharing. And I tell you, it was a journey. I use that phrase intentionally. It was a journey of forgiveness. Many of you know that um, I was raised by my mother, grew up in a single-parent home. Um, She had six angelic daughters. All I know is that my mother's crown is going to be super huge. (laughs) She had six daughters, and um, the entire time growing up, I just longed and ached for a relationship with my father. He was gone before I was even born, so I I literally never had a relationship with him. Um, Had seen pictures of him and knew what he looked like, but he was just gone. And so I guess in my mind as a child to try to make sense of that, try to reconcile that in some way, I just thought, well, there had to be a a good reason. And maybe he was really sick and he just had to go away to get well, or maybe there was something really important that he had to do. I mean, there was, I was constantly thinking of there, there has to be a very good reason, or he would be here. Like he would be here if he could. And I remember it was just such a a void and an ache in my heart. I would see my, especially my little girlfriends or daddies would carry them on their shoulders, and they would dote on them, and they'd have a t-shirt that said, Daddy's Little Girl, and I was like, I want that. Why, why can't I have that? And um, just went through life, though, went through my childhood, again, just longing for it, but feeling like there has to be a good reason, and one day we're going to be reunited, and it's going to be all good, and he's going to tell me what happened, and, and, and everything's going to be fine. Well, fast forward to young adult, and I actually have the chance to meet him. No good reason. Just didn't want to be there. Had other things to do. Had other places he'd rather be. Had other people he'd rather be with. And I remember just a huge, hard lump of hate developed in my heart for him. I hated him. And I began to list off all of the things that he owed me. You owe me at the very least an explanation. You owe me an apology. You owe restitution. Do you know how hard my mother had to work? I remember one day she sat us all down and she said, listen, there are a lot of you. I will provide food. I will provide clothes. I will provide a safe place for you to live. Other than that, you are taking care of it. So at the age of nine, I got a paper route and I've been working ever since. Worked three jobs to get through Bible college. And I remember thinking, He owes me. All my other friends, their dads are helping them pay. And I have to work three jobs to get through college? You owe me. So he owes an apology, an explanation, restitution. I mean, and his debts were just adding up, stacking up. That bill was long. And I remember my senior year in Bible college. I was about to be licensed and ordained. They're going to slap some oil on me and send me out. (laughs) And God said, no, you have got to deal with that, for, that unforgiveness. You've got to forgive your father. And I want you to know, hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. It was one of the hardest things I have ever had to do. And I've done some hard things. Choosing forgiveness. Hard, but possible. With the help of the Holy Spirit. So what did that look like? You know, people say, forgive, you have to forgive. What does that look like? It means releasing him 
as we saw in this parable, releasing him from the debt. Remember, he had built up all this debt and he owed me. And for me, forgiveness was releasing him from that debt so that I no longer approached him when I would hear his name and feel myself cringe. I would say, God, I give that emotion, that feeling, that anger to you, giving that to you, and I need you to fill me up with your love for him. And I would pray for him, sometimes with gritted teeth. It finally got to a point where I actually wrote a letter, and it was about a paragraph long, and I'm telling you it took a long time to pen those words, but I did it. But every step, God, take away what I feel, fill me with your love. Take away what I feel, fill me with your love. To the point now where I can honestly say, I can stand up here and say, it's gone. The debt that I was holding against him is gone. My approach to him now, my heart attitude to him now is, for everything that you did not do for me, my heavenly father did. For all the times you were not there, my heavenly father was. Your debt's been paid. It's gone. You no longer owe me. I no longer approach you with, you get nothing from me until you pay. Look, your debt's gone. My heavenly father paid it. And I'm telling you, that's not easy. I don't stand up here pretending that it is. It's not easy, but it is possible and it's worth it because do you know what? I'm free. I don't walk around with that load on my shoulders anymore. I don't walk around with that lump in my heart. That's what forgiveness does. It frees you. It frees you up to love <laughs> because that's what love does. Love forgives. Love watched his son being tortured and left on a cross to die. That's what love did. Love turned his face away for the very first time ever and brought separation between him and the son that he loves. That's what love does. Love does some tough stuff. Love does some tough stuff. It's worth it, and we have the power to do it. We are able to love because God first loved us. I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to have an honest conversation with the Lord about this? Is there somebody that owes you a debt? Is there somebody that every time you hear their name or see their face, there's just something that rises up within you? I have a question for you. Um, Pastor Ryan actually said this um, in a joking way last Sunday, but he said, you know, it was Father's Day, and he said, you know, a lot, a lot of... Um, Dads, you know, their hope is, I just want to do things right so that my child doesn't end up in counseling. And that, that was me. I was in counseling for a lot of years for daddy issues. That was me. And I remember my counselor looked at me one time and she said, Lucindra, are you willing to forgive your father? And my honest answer was, no, I'm not willing, but I want to be willing. Maybe that's you today. You're thinking, I'm just not there. Look, I hear what you're saying. I'm not there. Are you willing to be willing. Can we start there? Can you have a conversation with the Lord and say, God, I'm not feeling it, but I'm trusting you to help me get there. Because the word of God says, it is God who works in you to will and to do it. So he makes you want it if you cooperate with him. There are things that you'll desire that you never thought you would desire when you turn it over to him. He wills it in you and then he gives you the power to do it. So are you willing to be willing? Just have that conversation with him. Because that's what love does. 
If we're not careful, we will find ourselves in the same position as the unmerciful servant, having received great mercy, but being unwilling to give it ourselves. Do you see how powerful love is? There's a song that says, crazy little thing called love, nothing little about love. It's big, it's strong, it's a force to be reckoned with, and it literally can change the world. I know it sounds corny and cliche-ish, but, um, cliche but um, it really is what will change our world. The love of God. It will change our world. When we're looking at the evil, when we're looking at the hate, we combat it with the love of God. When we want to know what love looks like, we look at our God. For he so loved this world that he did something about it. Will you bow your heads with me, please? God, thank you for your great, powerful love. Thank you, Lord, that it is a love that literally will change us if we let it. I just want to give the opportunity for anyone who may be here today who has never surrendered their love, their life to the love and the power of, of God. As we said, he, he's in full pursuit of us. He's not letting up. Maybe you have never allowed yourself, never allowed yourself to walk in relationship with him. Maybe you weren't even aware that you needed to be in relationship with him. Well, you're aware now, you have that knowledge now. And I ask you with that knowledge, is there anyone today who would say, I need to surrender my life to the Lord? I want to walk with him. I want him to be Lord. I want him to be in control. Anyone today? <clears throat> well, Father, I just, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you that we can fully rely on it, God. I thank you that when we cooperate with what you say in your word, that things happen, and they happen exactly the way you say they're going to happen. You don't get our hopes up to dash them, Lord. Your word says that those who put their hope in you will never have that hope disappointed. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would help us to see people with eyes of compassion and go after them. Whether they know you or not, this is not just going after the people who don't know you. Just go after people. Just love them with the love of the Lord. Be that word of encouragement. Be that life-giving um, source in their life. Lord, I pray that as we um, live each day, we would live with hands open to serve. That we would see the needs. That we would use the gifts that you have entrusted to us to meet those needs. To further your kingdom, Lord. And to bring glory to your name, not ours. And God, I pray that you would help us to forgive. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to, to speak to each heart, Lord, here today, especially the hearts that they know. They're not denying it. They know that there's somebody that has a debt against them. Lord, I pray that you would just take them to the next step, that maybe they haven't been willing, but you would, Lord, today, you would work in them so that they become willing. Thank you, God, that you're great. There's nothing that is too difficult for you and that you are for us, Lord. You're not against us.
We ask all of these things in the great name of your son, Jesus.